This week on Grape Encounters Radio. I'm drinking Chardonnay today. You know, when I think Chardonnay, I always think of that Elton John song. What? You know that one? Mm-mm. Chardonnay and me are pretty good company. See, he had it right. Maybe he's going to come to the Chardonnay Festival. Yeah, actually, that's not how it goes. It is time for your weekly grape encounter, and we're going to talk today about a subject and actually a person who seems to be really capturing a great deal of the wine industry news these days. It's Deborah Brenner. She is the founder and president of Women of the Vine, an organization that is just on fire, I'm telling you. And Deborah, welcome back to the show. You've got a big story to talk about. Oh, thank you, David. I'm happy to be back. So you have this annual symposium, but it's only been going on a year or two, right? Uh, April will be our second. So just (laughs) um, what's so ironic is just one year ago today, March, we held our inaugural symposium. Right. And now the symposium sold out? Yes. (laughs) We sold out within two weeks of opening general registration. And we're we're not... Um, And we have 650 attendees and a a wait list right now running. Holy smokes. Incredible. We we were just taken by surprise as much as the people looking to purchase tickets. When I decided to put together the first ever of its kind inaugural symposium 2015 last March, I was, you know, praying that if 250 or 300 people came and attended and I didn't, you know, lose my shirt on it and, and that, that I would be happy. And we sold out last year at 500 and this year in two weeks at 650. Holy smoke. Now, what, I mean, what do you attribute this to? And let's let's first talk about Women of the Vine. That parallels a book that you also authored. But why was it so important for you to focus attention on women in the wine business and also, I guess, in the spirits business as well? But let's really focus on wine for a second. What was your incentive for doing that? Well, I had a 20-plus year career in marketing, business development, and PR for high-end technology firms. Um, in New York, and it was a very, very male-dominated industry, and as I got more and more disenchanted in my corporate career as I moved up the ranks, I was looking to make a big change and started to explore California and wine country to see if I may be able to take my skills into something I had more of a passion for, and to my surprise, this was back in 2005, I had no idea how male-dominated the wine and alcohol beverage industry is as a whole. So you went from the technology industry, you were a bit disenchanted because it was so male-dominated. You thought you were getting into an industry that had more of a feminine bent, and voila, that wasn't the case. Absolutely. You said it perfectly. I mean, you go out, and and especially, you know, wine and and women and, and spirits, and it's such a social, wonderful experience. And the women wine consumer today is the majority purchasing 71% of all wine retail purchases. So, you know, I figured, wow, if, if so many women are in 
enjoying wine. Uh, there has to be more women in the industry, but uh, that was quite a surprise when I saw what it really was like. And again, my journey really started in 2005, and still today, just under 10% of the winemakers in California are women. Well, let me ask you this. There is a huge movement in the wine industry to market to women. Do you find some of that marketing insulting? Because frankly, I do. I, you know, <laughs> so, you know, some of the labels that are on wine bottles, I think are insulting to the intelligence of every consumer, especially women, because, you know, they try to suggest with the labeling that the wine's going to have a certain personality that it may or may not have. I mean, sometimes it's spot on, but most of the time it's just a marketing ploy. I don't like it. What about you? Well, I, I agree with you. And that was a big thing. You know, when I first wrote the book, it was to celebrate and bring recognition towards women that were really trailblazing and pioneers in the industry and what they were doing. It wasn't until a few years after that, that the marketers started really waking up to the statistics of women as the consumer. And that's when you saw this big jump of labels and different types of marketing to go out to them. And I think that it did fail for a lot of brands that you just don't see out there. They didn't have longevity for that same reason, is that the woman wine consumer doesn't want something that's made for them. And that's a big thing of what we are with Women of the Vine and our alliance is that it's not about gender. We're not looking to be women in wine. We're women in business, and we just happen to be in the alcohol beverage industry. Yeah, I got to think that, you know, when you see a bottle of wine that's got a, a bikini on it, that that was created by a guy, not by a woman. <laughs> you know, it's it, it to me is insulting, and women tend to have much better taste in wine. We know that in tests, they have more taste buds, yeah. and there are more super tasters that are women than men. So, guys, you know, if you're looking to have a great bottle of wine, you know, let your wife or your girlfriend pick it out for you. <laughs> I like that. Absolutely. I also don't like the fact that because they feminize so much of the wine that now, you know, I feel, you know, uncomfortable buying one of those bottles. You know, everybody's looking at me saying I'm a sissy. You know, I think we're seeing a trend back to the authenticity of people want to know where their food comes from and they want to know where their wine comes from. And so we're seeing a lot of those, you know, marketing type labels, I think, uh, are not as prevalent as there was, you know, maybe a few years years ago where, where everybody was jumping on the bandwagon. But a lot of the wines are appealing to the younger people, which has helped turn them into wine drinkers. So that's one thing that we're seeing as a trend as well. We're talking to Deborah Brenner. She is the founder and president of Women of the Vine, big symposium that's coming up April 4th through the 6th in Napa, California, 650 people coming. What's the makeup of the people that will be coming to the seminar? And what percentage of those people are women? Well, of course, the majority of the people attending are women, but we absolutely encourage our wonderful men of the vine uh, to join us and to participate because the whole premise of the Women of the Vine Alliance and the annual symposium is devoted towards, you know, uh, allowing women to advance in the alcohol beverage industry. And the alliance really fills a void in the industry that there has never been a forum for women to come together to strengthen 
strengthen their ties to network, to mentor, to, to discuss issues. And frankly, we invite the men to come and have this discussion with us because um, together we are working to advance women into leadership positions for the future. What factors do you believe have been holding women back and causing there to be you know, such a large differential between the number of men who are in the wine business versus the number of women? Well, you know, we're seeing this in every industry, right? We're, we're just a little bit behind the, you know, obviously this is the first year that we're forming the alliance and putting this, but other industries have really been looking to um, have forums to empower women. But I think when you look historically, why has it taken our industry longer is you really do have factors that have held it behind. And, um, and historically, as, as you know, women weren't even allowed to drink. They weren't allowed in pubs. Um, women uh, traditionally, uh, they weren't allowed to own land and even have businesses. I mean, we look at the wonderful, wonderful leader, the widow Clicquot, and um, she was widowed at the age of 27, and because she was a widow, she was allowed to take over uh, the Champagne House. So um, you never would have seen that. So historically, you have this where women were kept out of alcohol, and then you bring prohibition and everything that went through here in America. So it's quite an interesting history that I think has made um, it even harder for women to advance, and it's just taken longer for them to reach some leadership positions. We are talking to Deborah Brenner. She is the president and founder of Women of the Vine. Man, I'll tell you what, I read the wine trades every single day. These folks are making news like you can't believe. And, you know, in my own world where I interact with winemakers every day, I'm telling you what, more and more and more and more women are leaving positions in the tasting room and they're finding themselves in the tank and barrel room instead. That's the big shift, don't you think, Deborah? Absolutely. And um, and the, the wonderful thing about the Alliance and the symposium is that there is a, a big movement happening in the wine making side, but uh, we're not seeing it as much in other positions. So we're, right. we're just so excited because the people that are attending are attending from all walks of the industries, from importers and exporters to, you know, attorneys. I mean, my gosh, you know, with TTB and all of our regulations, our attorneys and compliance are so critical, but also as presidents, Sandra LeDrew, president of the Americas of Treasury, will be there. All right, hold that thought, Deborah, for just a second. We're going to continue this discussion talking to Deborah Brenner, president and founder of Women of the Vine. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about some of the people that will be at the symposium. It'll just blow your mind. Hang in there. There's more Grape Encounters coming your way. In wine, there is truth, and sulfites, and occasionally a a few insect parts. You learn something every day on Grape Encounters Radio. If you work in the wine industry or are a wine lover that spends more than $25 a bottle, you should not be without the all-new Coravin Model 2 Wine Access System. The Coravin is a game changer, allowing you to extract as little or as much wine from the bottle without removing the foil or the cork. As wine is poured from the bottle, inert argon replaces it, keeping the remaining wine inside absolutely pristine. 
That means you can drink the remaining wine in a week, month, or a year from now without any chance of oxidation or spoilage. The Coravin is the brainchild of a medical devices inventor who was tired of seeing delicious wine go bad because it wasn't consumed in one sitting. Today, it's the most important tool any wine enthusiast can own. The new Coravin Model 2 is available online at GrapeEncounters.com. Or if you're on California's Central Coast, you can see a demonstration or pick yours up at the Grape Encounters Emporium in Atascadero. Learn more about the Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there, and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information. Like certain wines, he's syrupy, sweet, and has long legs. Here's David Wilson. Well, she's a hard-working woman. she got a hard-working man. We are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and so pleased to have on the line Deborah Brenner. We've had her on a couple of times before, and it's always fascinating to talk about women of the vine and the momentum that is occurring in the wine industry where women are concerned, not just becoming winemakers, but also taking on a lot of other big-time responsibilities in the industry. Deborah, what ultimately is the goal of Women of the Vine? And do you have any kind of barometer to judge how well things are going up to this point? I know it's a pretty new organization. Well, yes. And thank you, Dave, because it is brand new. As I mentioned earlier on the program, took a leap of faith and organized the first inaugural symposium just exactly one year ago. At that time, we were considering if this could be an annual event, it would be fantastic and something that was never done before. However, due to the accolades and all of the feedback and response that I received, not only from my sponsors, but also from my attendees, was the fact that they wanted this to be a year-round organization and not just a annual event. Yeah. So this is really what happened, and we, we listened to them, and we realized, well, we just opened up an opportunity that they didn't want us to shut that door for the next, you know, 365 days of the year. It was remarkable. We opened Pandora's box and we brought something to the world that has never been done. The shocking part of it is you not only got a tremendous number of women involved, the caliber, the heavy hitters that you have involved, and I think some of them are your keynote speakers this year, are just amazing, amazing people. Talk about that. Well, before I mention 
who's coming. I mean, I have to say that I am just so honored that they did come out and are volunteering their time and their expertise and their input and inspiration. And I think that this just goes to show that there's never been a forum for women in this industry to do this. And so having the support and our keynote speakers with having, you know, Stephanie Gallo come out, having Dr. Mackie Mandela come from South Africa starting House of Mandela Wines in honor of her father, having Maggie Enriquez come from France, who's president and CEO of House of Krug, Eric Asimov, chief wine critic from the New York Times, wow. moderating a panel, and just the caliber, Sandra LeDrew, the president of Americas of Treasury, and of course, since we are involving all of the alcohol beverage, we're honored to have Victoria McRae-Samuels, vice president of operations of Maker's Mark. Uh, you don't see many women, and she is considered the first woman of bourbon, and so it's really, really remarkable. They've recognized that they have achieved something in this industry that has been very difficult. They've paved the way, and now it's so exciting for them to come and convene in Napa at this symposium so that they can lend their expertise and knowledge for other people how to really pave their own way in their careers. Well, the wine industry is not necessarily the easiest industry to break into. Why do you think that the industry has taken you and the organization so seriously? Because anybody can start an association, but to get the kind of support, not just from the women in the industry, but men in the industry, that's quite a feat. What do you attribute that to? Well, I have to thank our sponsors as well. And you're talking about, you know, what this is and how people are getting involved. I mean, I do have to say that when I first approached like Mel Dick and Steve Slater at Southern Wine and Spirits, it was just remarkable to get their support and to look at all of the sponsors that we've come on board. As you say, it's very difficult business and we're very proud to have all our distributor partners like Glazers and Breakthrough and Young's. They are so important because I think the distributor side is probably one of the most difficult side for women in their career path. And they recognize that they need to help women achieve leadership roles and to grow and to keep really great, talented people. We're seeing women's initiatives starting in these companies. St. Michelle Wine Estates, we have a wonderful group on our advisory board, and they started a women's initiative. Moet Hennessy has started a women's initiative. RNDC, Republic National Distributing. So we're really seeing that I think the time is now. The time is right. They have talented people in their workforce, and they realize that it's time now that we can help cultivate them. Wow, amazing. Hey, listen, so if somebody wants to get involved, obviously they can't go to the symposium because it's a done deal. You can get in line for next year, but the next best thing that somebody can do is just join the organization, right? How do they do that? Absolutely. And thank you for bringing that up, David. It's so important because we are a new organization and we have a big vision. We have a big mission. We have a global one and one for women across the whole alcohol beverage industry. So like I said, we've opened this door that was never open before, and now we want to keep it open and keep the conversation going. So if you go online to womenofthevine.com, you can join the alliance. It's a year-round 
renowned organization. The symposium is just one of our anchor events that we are doing. You'll be seeing more and more events and activities going on throughout the whole year. And with everybody's support as they join the alliance, will give us the opportunity to really grow and expand what we are doing. Like I said, our vision, we want to do scholarships. We want to do internships. We want to mentor programs. And as many people that we can to come and join the Alliance, the more we can put all of this together and benefit each other. We have just a second left, but is there anything in it for somebody who's just a wine aficionado and, you know, wants to join? What would be in it for just a layperson who's, you know, a consumer? Or is this the wrong thing for them? Well, you know, it's a great question because we do have a lot of people that are not in this industry that have already joined the Alliance. Most of them is because they want to support what we're doing to empower. They may have friends or know people that were in the industry and they want to be a part of this effort to put the strength towards it. Others that are aficionados, they are thinking about career changes. So we're seeing a lot of women that are coming to us and um, really thinking, you know, this is something that I've thought about over the years. I haven't really decided if it's right for me. And now they're seeing, like I said, that there's jobs, business jobs, there's marketing jobs, there's legal work, there's human resources. Virtually every type of job that you would find in any other industry. Well, Deborah, I really appreciate you coming on. It's just been such an amazing success story, and we're going to continue to follow your progress as years go on, and so appreciate the work that you're doing, and it really is manifesting itself into some really, really awesome products out there, and maybe a lot more respect for the female consumer than has ever been there before as well. So I do thank you, and again, the website is womenofthevine.com, right? Yes. Womenofthevine.com. All right, Deborah, I I appreciate you being on. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters. Hang with me. We'll be back right after this. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. We like to talk about wine. Want to know David's very favorite products for wine lovers? You can see them at GrapeEncounters.com. GrapeEncounters.com is where you'll find a hand-picked selection of products and accessories for wine enthusiasts that you aren't likely to find most other places. The selection of must-have wine-related products is awesome. So are the low prices. We have the all-new Coravin plus accessories, gifts, wine games, collectibles, and so much more at GrapeEncounters.com. You'll love the unique wine products waiting for you at GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero the gateway to good times at visitatascadero.com. Living in and broadcasting from one of the world's finest wine regions makes it virtually impossible not to make frequent references to the multitude of amazing things going on here on the central coast of California. 
Grape Encounters Radio has built one of the world's most unique wine bars so that you can have the opportunity to come to the city of Atascadero and enjoy great wines and equally good conversation with me and other visitors. Best of all, my favorite hotel in the area is literally right across the street. The historic Carlton Hotel with accommodations that are both beautiful and affordable. The Carlton Hotel takes you back to a glorious time in California history. And now that the wine industry has ushered in yet another exciting new chapter here on the Central Coast, you can experience the best of then and now. Book your accommodations at the lovingly restored Carlton Hotel in Atascadero. Then, let me help you plan daily excursions that will create a lifetime of unforgettable memories. You'll find a link to the Carlton Hotel at GrapeEncounters.com. Flash photography, cell phones, and the use of pretentious language is strictly prohibited while listening to Grape Encounters Radio. Chocolates, Chardonnay, and Billy Holiday. And we are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and it is an all-woman Grape Encounters Radio this yes. week. Wait, it can't be an all-woman. I'm here. I'm a guy. Anyway, we now have another amazing woman of the vines. She's somebody we've not had on for about a year now. We had her on the last time because we were down at the Chardonnay Symposium, International Chardonnay Symposium. Actually, mm-hmm. it's Linda Parker Sanpei. You said it do, right. Do you like Sanpei or Sanpei? Now, Sanpei. Sanpei. Sanpei is it the sounds, way it, it sounds French. Sanpei. It is. Anyway, it's you French. are the it's director of the Chardonnay Symposium. I am indeed. And yeah. I'm having an amazing year. You are. Well, listen, first of all, you were in the green room for a little while. Did you get a chance to listen to the interview with Deborah Brenner? Is she amazing? That she is such a pistol. I love Deborah. You guys Brenner. are, are pals, like, right? Well, women of the vine. What can I say? She must love you because now you've got this huge event going on. And we're not trying to promote the event here. We really want to talk about Chardonnay. And it's such an amazing thing that you've got going now. Talk about what it is and where people come from. And then we'll get into why Chardonnay is the most beloved wine of all wines, not just in America, right? In the world, right? world. Actually, it's the most widely drank uh, varietal in the world. And you, by the way, have a glass of, well, actually, it's a blend. We started with a Chardonnay from the amazing Wagner family, and now we're drinking a blend that has some Chardonnay in it made by Ian Cobble. Which is fantastic, and it's an international wine. It's from Mexico. I know, Mexico. People are going, Mexico? What? No, it's not even spicy. And you asked where are the wineries coming from. They're coming from Australia. They're coming from France, Italy, Chile, Argentina. We have 80 producers coming up from around the world pouring still wines, and another 25 producers coming in pouring sparkling wines. Okay, this is the part that really gets me, is sparkling Chardonnay, which I think is actually known as champagne. It, it, well, I mean, it, in, in some circles, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. So let's just kind of clarify. Blanc de Blanc. Okay, let's mm-hmm. clarify what that is, okay? Because if it's made from Chardonnay or Pinot Noir, and it comes from the Champagne region of France, it's champagne. 
Correct. Is there going to be any champagne there? There will be champagne there. Oh, awesome. Okay. Now, if it is made from Chardonnay and it doesn't come from champagne, it could be Cremant, right? Mm -hmm. And here in America, we call it sparkling wine. Sparkling wine. Couldn't we we come up with a better name? You know, you would think so. We need to come up with something sexy. Like what? I don't know. I'm just off... (laughs) Give it some thought. That would be so. You're going to have all these Chardonnay experts at the Chardonnay Symposium. That should be one of the challenges to them. Can we please come up with a name that's better than sparkling, sparkling wine. wine is boring? Okay. I'll, I'll put that task out to them. I mean, think about it. When you go to a restaurant in Europe, they say, would you like to have the still water or would you like to have the sparkling water? Mm-hmm. That's boring, right? True. So that's as best as we can do with sparkling wine. All right, so 25 sparklers there. 25 sparklers, a little pet gnat. I'm going to... Oh, no. We're not know. Get, no, we're not going to get into that because I'm. it's so not in my realm of expertise. Okay, so, all right, talk about it. Pet nap. It's not pet nap, okay? It's like Fido's got to lay down. This is the new rage among hipsters. It is. It is. It's a sparkling wine under a cap. Like a soda pop cap. It's kind of like a soda pop cap. And Wait a second. I just dated myself. <laughs> I said soda pop. You did too. Maybe we should leave this whole pet net okay. for another show. Uh, yeah. It's like, no, I guess we can say soda. We just don't say pop, right? Yeah. Okay. It's under a soda bottle cap. How's that? It's, it's under cap versus cork. And it's P-E-T dash N-A-T. Exactly. Which is now the accepted term for another term that I absolutely can't pronounce. So I'm not even going to try. But everybody calls it pet nat. Pet nat. But there's an accent over the P. Pet nat. I don't know. Anyway, it's kind of the champagne for hip younger people. It is. And it's it's made, if you will, it's somewhat like a cider. It's a little funkier. It's honest. It's, it's more terroir driven. And it is something that producers are making kind of like in the back of the winery. Um, we have producers like Tally. Oh, so Brian Tally is going to bring some pet nat out. So it's kind of a sneaky little thing? It, it's kind of like it's a, the back of the house, kind of an undiscovered little feature that these wineries have. And um, they're going to bring out what they're making in the background. Okay. So it started in France, actually. It and is actually. actually before champagne. Before champagne, right. Before champagne. And it's cloudy because what happens is with champagne, they put the, uh, what they call dosage in there. Correct, yeah. And it's yeast and sugar, basically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then before the champagne is finally bottled, they take that dosage out, which is they what... They disgorge it, yeah. Yeah, they take it out of there. They actually get the neck of the bottle really cold. Pop they, it out. Yeah, they pop it out. But with this, they leave the yeast in there, and exactly. that's what makes it cloudy. Exactly. But, you know, so, young people are into things like... You know, boba, boba, that's it. And uh, this is kind of like that. It's more authentic. It's like going back in time, back to pre-champagne and enjoying wine that really kind of speaks to the terroir. And it's very authentic and it's very, you know, you drink it fresh and young and it is what the winemaker is expressing from his grapes. Look at you. You're just like your face is all lit up as you talk (laughs) about this. Do you love Chardonnay? I love wine. Chardonnay, I'm drinking. Chardonnay today. I love sparkling wine. You know, when I think Chardonnay, I always think of that Elton John song. You know that one? (laughs) Chardonnay and me, a pretty good company. 
See, he had it right. Maybe he's going to come to the Chardonnay family. Yeah, actually, that's not how it goes. Anyway, all right, so a lot of different styles of Chardonnay, first of all. You're going to have Old World Chardonnays there. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Australian Chardonnays there. South American? South American, absolutely. Wow. What's yep. the difference between South American style of Chardonnay versus, say, an American style? I think that you need to come to the International Chardonnay Symposium to find ah, out. <laughs> you just punted the question, didn't yeah, you? I did. Now, this is a, okay, so this is a pretty interesting thing. Just a couple of weeks ago was the 40th anniversary of the Judgment of Paris. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. For those who don't know what that is, it is the story that was told incorrectly in the movie Bottle Shock. But actually, the person who made that Chardonnay was Mike Gergich, who is going to be in April celebrating his 93rd mm-hmm. birthday. I'm going to go to his birthday party. What a man. I just I think he's such like, a, a... Completely awesome. Yeah, completely. This is so funny because the whole story of the Judgment of Paris is so amazing. And do you know the wines will be at the Chardonnay? Oh, they will. Yep. Yeah. He's not getting around as much as he used to. He's I very, don't know very, if he's so, very, very selective mm-hmm. about it. But he's, you know, he's up there in 93. But you know what? He's still his hands on at the Gergich Hills Winery. At the time he made that wine, he made it for Chateau Montalena, which was actually the name of the winery that was used in the movie. Everything mm-hmm. else is false. The wine did not go into bottle shock. It didn't turn brown. That's why Mike wouldn't let them use his name in the movie, by the way. Oh, he said, I, he said, I never had a wine that turned brown. I'm not going to let them say that about my wine. Well, he's a man of integrity, isn't he? Yeah, you want the real story? Go to the Smithsonian because Mike's little suitcase. You know, he was like booted out of the house at 10 years old because they had a whole bunch of children. They couldn't feed him. So he came to Napa at that well, time? Well, he, he learned a lot about winemaking in his native Croatia. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he found his way to Napa. And he worked under the great, great, greats like right. Robert Mondavi. And, you know, he learned his craft and he learned it well. And he made this wine. And it was kind of a joke originally that they entered that Chardonnay into the Judgment of Paris. And, you know, they thought, ah, we'll give these California upstarts a, a chance to be in here. But, you know, it's going to be laughable. Uh-huh. Joke's on you, French. Exactly. It's amazing. That's why, the you French, know, that's why the French don't like us. You know, the French, the, I, I think they're two different styles, completely different styles. And as a matter yeah, but they, of fact— they have never forgiven us for winning the Judgment of Paris. We know 40 years later, they are the spotlight region at the International Chardonnay Symposium. Okay, so you're going to give them their comeuppance. <laughs> I am. Okay. And they what's will that, be there. So what kind of things happen at the Chardonnay Symposium? And well, why do we need one anyway? Well, there is there's no other International Chardonnay Symposium in the world. This is it right here on the Central Coast of California and Pismo Beach and Avila Beach. This is why I moved the Grape Encounters studios here to the Central. This is where it's happening, don't you think? This is ground zero for wine right now. It is. And everybody knows that they want to be here with us. And plus, I couldn't afford a house in Napa. There was, you know, there was that. (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, Uh, we have more coastline here, too. You know, we're on in Napa and I'm, you know, if anybody wants to, like, rent me a room, (laughs) I'll gladly take it. Okay. So this year, uh, David, we have, uh, this is our second year as the International National Chardonnay Symposium. We have 80 still wineries coming in, 25 sparkling wines from around the world. We're talking about Australia, Italy, Chile, France. It's just going to be fantastic. Now you don't hear much about Italian Chardonnay, but let, hold that thought for a second, okay? Mm-hmm. We're going to come back because we got to talk more about Chardonnay. And I want to talk about why I boycotted Chardonnay for almost 20 years. And you're back in, right? Oh, I'm back in. Yeah. I got a glass in front of me. Cool. All right. We'll talk about that. Uh, we're going to continue with Linda Parker Sampay. Wait, do, am I getting that right? Perfectly, am I doing it backwards? Perfectly well. The Sampay's last, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I'm here with Linda Parker Sampay. She is uh, the director of the International Chardonnay Symposium. That is a really big deal. You no, know, Chardonnay's like the prestige wine. And to be in charge of that, that makes you almost godlike. 
We'll be back with more Grape Encounters after this. Chardonnay and me are pretty good company. Looking for an Your Grape Encounter will continue momentarily. So while you're listening to these important messages, do a little multi-processing and join the Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group page. That way we can share things with you that we might not be able to tell you on the radio. Want to know David's very favorite products for wine lovers? You can see them at GrapeEncounters.com. GrapeEncounters.com is where you'll find a hand-picked selection of products and accessories for wine enthusiasts that you aren't likely to find most other places. The selection of must-have wine-related products is awesome. So are the low prices. We have the all-new Corbin plus accessories, gifts, wine games, collectibles, and so much more at GrapeEncounters.com. You'll love the unique wine products waiting for you at GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero, the gateway to good times, at visitatascadero.com. If you work in the wine industry or are a wine lover that spends more than $25 a bottle, you should not be without the all-new Coravin Model 2 Wine Access System. The Coravin is a game-changer, allowing you to extract as little or as much wine from the bottle without removing the foil or the cork. As wine is poured from the bottle, inert argon replaces it, keeping the remaining wine inside absolutely pristine. That means you can drink the remaining wine in a week, month, or a year from now without any chance of oxidation or spoilage. The Coravin is the brainchild of a medical devices inventor who was tired of seeing delicious wine go bad because it wasn't consumed in one sitting. Today, it's the most important tool any wine enthusiast can own. The new Coravin Model 2 is available online at GrapeEncounters.com. Or if you're on California's Central Coast, you can see a demonstration or pick yours up at the Grape Encounters Emporium in Atascadero. Learn more about the Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. What does a grape say when it is squeezed? Nothing. It just whines. Rape Encounters Radio continues. Grape Encounters Radio and talking about the single most popular wine, not just in America, but all the world and talking about it with our dear friend, Linda Parker Sanpei, who is the director of the International Chardonnay Symposium. Yes. Welcome. First of all, I'm so glad to have you here. David, it's always fun to be back. Thank you. How does an American woman wind up being the director of the International Chardonnay Symposium? You know, the French own it, right? I mean, even though we won the Judgment of Paris, the French own it. So I think I have rights because I speak a little French. I'm French-Canadian. And are, are you I like this. one of those dual citizens? <laughs> I am. Okay. Do you sometimes uh, wake up and you're not sure where you belong? 
Yeah, I told my <laughs> child I was an alien, and he actually thought I was from elsewhere. <laughs> okay, all right. We were talking about the Chardonnay Symposium, which is going to take place May the 12th through the 14th. You got all of these Chardonnay experts and winemakers coming from all over the world. The awesome thing is, is that 40 years ago was the Judgment of Paris. Exactly. It just it, happened, by the way. It was the 40th anniversary, an event that was won by Mike Gergich. I do know Gergich Winery will be at the International Chardonnay Symposium this year. Are you serious? I, I don't know that Mike will be. I would be so honored if he were. April is Mike Gergich's 93rd birthday. What a man. Now, at the time, he was the winemaker for... Chateau Montalena. Yeah, Ch- Chateau Montalena. Mm-hmm. And you can actually get most of the story in the movie Bottle Shock. But Mike was not willing to let them use his name for the movie because actually the Bottle Shock didn't happen. The wine did not turn brown. He made a pristine, beautiful, amazing Chardonnay. Perfect. So get this. I got to taste that wine at Mike's 90th birthday. How nice. cool is that? You are cool. No, well, no. Mike is cool. <laughs> I'm not cool anyway. So why do you think that Chardonnay is such an important wine? It has so many expressions. It has so well, many ways. I, I got a lot of expressions, but I'm not that important. <laughs> <laughs> it has so many different ways that it can be made and it, it can express the terroir so deeply. It can be sparkling wine, Blanc de Blanc. It can be a sweet wine and it can be very oaked wines. There are so many different ways one can enjoy and produce wine. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to go back to Wine 101 for a second. I always assume that people don't know what certain terms may mean. Terroir is such an important word where a wine like Chardonnay is concerned. It's a sense of place. It's the place of origin of where these grapes are grown. Is it a cool climate environment? Is it a warm climate? What are the soils like? Is it calcareous soil, limestone? Is it influenced by an abundance of sunshine? All of these things come together to create the terroir, the sense of place from where these grapes are from. The best uh, metaphor I can offer is it's it's kind of like a minor bird. A now, minor bird. Yeah, a minor yeah. bird. Like when I was growing up, our neighbors had a minor bird. And my mother used to always go outside and call for the dog. We had a little poodle that didn't look like a poodle because I grew up kind of on a little farm. And he was just this little scruffy dog. His name was Stanley. My mother would stand out there at night and she'd go, Stanley, Stanley, and call him. You know, and eventually the dog would come home. Well, the neighbors had a minor bird. The minor bird would imitate everything that would go on. So, you know, there was Louise, the neighbor next door, who had this very interesting laugh. And then there was my father who was always yelling about stuff. And my mom was calling for the dog and then the animals. And the minor bird imitated everything. And that's what grapes do. You didn't know where this was going, did you? (laughs) This is so left field. No, this is brilliant. (laughs) This is brilliant. So grapes are like a minor bird. They repeat everything around them, the soil, the climate, the wind, the rain, the snow, everything that affects that vine, they repeat into the wine. Is that the greatest metaphor you've ever heard? Is there a brand called Minor yet? (laughs) (laughs) No, because miners can't drink wine. Okay. Anyway, so that's that. You know, I boycotted Chardonnay for a really long time. Why'd you do that? The same reason that everybody did it, because we Americans are people of excess. We tend to go over the top. If you don't believe that, go to a monster truck event. Okay. Like, you know, why do you need a tire that's 16 feet tall? Or a 36 ounce Coke. Yeah, exactly. Big gulps. You know, the Italians would never have invented the big gulp. They would have invented the, you know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The little tiny cup. 
exactly. You know, small is good. But for Americans, we like to do things bigger. And so for a long time, American winemakers would leave the Chardonnay in oak barrels for an excessive amount of time. Do you think they forgot them? No, they didn't forget them. You know, people said, wow, that oakiness is really good. And More is better. Yeah, if a little is good, then a lot is way good. That's the American way. Sit in the Dodge pickup and it's got 12 cup holders. What for? It's, it's a place to put the big gulp that you didn't finish yesterday. Just put the one from last week over there in the back. So that's what we do. And we over-oaked things and it got ridiculous. And it was like sucking on a tree. Did you floss after drinking Chardonnay with all that oak <laughs> yeah, in your well, mouth? No, yeah. No, I got my roughage, though. That was the nice thing, cool. is that I was always regular when I drank Chardonnay, because <laughs> there was so much tree bark in it. Anyway, so they overdid it, and I finally said, this is ridiculous. I am not going to do this, because that was the only kind of Chardonnay you could get. So finally, a lot of us just boycotted Chardonnay. And the pendulum has swung now. Yeah, mm-hmm. so now they make a lot of Chardonnay with no oak whatsoever. Oak-free. Chardonnay. It's like gluten-free, you mm-hmm. know, but oak-free. So those were the people who overreacted. And they went to the opposite end of the spectrum. Then there was the group that said, I don't really care. I am a fundamentalist. I am going to oak it, whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, then drink Riesling instead. They don't oak Riesling, okay? All right, so that's what they would do. And then there were the moderates, you know, the people who like to please everybody. And they just did a little bit of oak. And that's kind of the popular one now. But right now we have three choices. you got the really oaky Chardonnays. You can get a moderate Chardonnay. You can get a no oak Chardonnay. That's it. You're going to have seminars there, right? We're going to have 18 different breakout sessions, beautiful winemaker dinners. We're going to have a pet nat sparkling wine and oysters tasting. Yeah, which we talked about in the in the prior segment. I yeah. know. You'll want to be there, right? You Is that what you pair it with, oysters? Oysters are great with sparkling Is wine. Is that what hipsters eat, oysters? I, I'm not a hipster, but I, I invite any hipster to join me to have some oh, oysters Oh, you are a hipster. What wine? about Rocky Mountain oysters? Yeah, not. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So if somebody wanted to come to the Chardonnay Symposium, they just go to the chardonnaysymposium.com You've got it down. Tell you what, the first three people who write me and say they're coming down here for the Chardonnay Symposium, I'll tell you what, I will take you on a personal tour of the Central Coast. How's that for a deal? That is beautiful. Thank you. And I would like to add to that and say they are our VIP guests at the Grand Tasting. Get out of here. No, serious. Seriously? Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Friend of yours, friend of mine. Is that valuable? Hello. Big time? Big time. Are we talking hundreds of dollars? Yeah. Maybe thousands. All right, Linda, that's the end of the show. This has been fun. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters for this week. We will see you next week here at the same time. And, you know, maybe I'll see you at the Chardonnay Symposium. Thanks, Linda. Thank you for having us. All right, a little Chardonnay. Cheers. Okay. You'll find Grape Encounters Radio located at the corner of Fermented and Demented. You do have a GPS, don't you? 